Hello, my finest friends. Welcome to Rahalastava this week with the extraordinarily talented May Martin, a brilliant person as well. I really enjoyed chatting with her. Um, I'm delighted to see her doing so well, and you should catch her sitcom new series coming up very soon, and her stand-up. She is and her book, absolutely brilliant. Um, we are doing live Rahalastavas very very soon, May the twenty fourth with Jeff Norcott and Sarah Kendall, possible Taskmaster champion after me. As I record this, I'm still the Taskmaster champion. It's looking good for her, but anything can happen in that last show. Um, and uh, 30, May the 31st with Johnny Vegas and Jesse Cave. We've also got gigs on June the 7th. No guest books yet. June the 14th with No Such Thing as a Fish and To Be Announced. And July the 5th with Robin Asquith from The Confessions Films and much, much more. Really going to be worth your time. Why don't you come and see them in an actual theatre? That would be marvellous. Go to richhane.com slash gigs and you can see all the links and all the confirmed guests. Uh, there's a socially distanced audience for at least the first four, but we can still get 350 people in this big theatre. So I'd love to see you there if you want to come out and uh, experience real live comedy for the first time in a long time. You can also watch on live. It's live streamed. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts over this last year, if you've enjoyed these podcasts over the last 10 years, if you've enjoyed all of my podcasts over the last 13 years, it would be lovely if you could live stream one of these shows at least, just to give a little something back. It's also a big help to the venue, the Clapham Grand, help them get back on their feet. Um, but I'd love to see people there. It'd be fantastic to have as many people in the venue as possible. So uh, please come out. It's all safe and socially distanced. richardherring.com slash Gigs. Do you remember we are doing um, retro Rahalaspas on Fridays with some of my favourite guests. We've had Stephen Fry and Bob Mortimer uh, repeated on Fridays. This week coming up at Kathy Burke. Um, it's a great place if you're new to the podcast to catch up on some of the old ones. If you're old to the podcast, it's a good way to catch up on ones you will certainly have forgotten. I've forgotten nearly all of those ones from that long ago. Uh, also, it's a great way to support us financially. The more people who listen with the adverts, the more money we have to make more podcasts. What could You can't say fairer than that. So if you've got friends who haven't yet got into this podcast, please tell them maybe about those retro ones. That's a good place to start. You are, of course, welcome to go back and listen to any of the old ones. But it's it's hard to wade through the hundreds and hundreds of podcasts I know that are there. Anyway, thanks very much for your support over these difficult times. And sit back, relax, and enjoy Rahalastapapa with May Martin. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who's being haunted by a giant inflatable Boris Johnson. It's Richard Herring. Hello. Hello, my fine friends. Uh, welcome to another episode of Richard Herring's Large Stinky Tumor podcast. Um, it's called that this week because uh, I find I, they sort of told me on the phone how big my cancerous tumor was. I'm sure you're keeping up with this news story. Uh, and um, but I hadn't really taken it in. I knew it was quite big, but they sent me the dimensions of it in a letter this week. Uh, and it's, uh, I think it's six centimetres by four centimetres by 4.5 centimetres by two centimetres. And, you know, that's difficult to imagine uh, knobbling around in your ball sack. So I've, I've, I don't know if this is inappropriate. I've used some of my daughter's, oh no, look, it's, it's, well, that's quite exciting that it's, that I didn't think about the green screen. Uh, that's the size of it there. And look, it's sort of like it's with the ghost of my testicle <laughs> flying around. 
<laughs> flying around there. Uh, that's how big it. That is. I mean, how did I not notice that uh, in my? It's like it, my. It's the entire ball, but then my ball was not that big. I have to say it was. It was big, but it wasn't that big. It's like it's been overtaken by the Borg uh, of cancer, and uh, there it's all out. It's fine, but that's quite horrific. I don't know if it's worse that I've made that of my daughter's Play-Doh. I don't know if that's the worst thing about this <laughs> or, or that I've just made, made it at all, but I wanted to get a visual representation, and that is terrifying. <laughs> Do check your bits, everyone. That's my annual reminder. I was talking to uh, Jeff Upton uh, from New Zealand, who's uh, been going around. I mean, I'm not cock-obsessed and ball-obsessed, but he's been going around drawing uh, pen- I am both of those things, uh, penises and balls on uh, holes in a row to try and encourage the... Uh, the New Zealand government to mend the potholes. Uh, they've 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 tried to arrest him. I think it's uh, for his for his diligent work. But uh, he's my hero. Uh, uh, he calls it Rahela Stuffer anyway. Uh, and uh, as well as uh, my ball news, um, uh, the the thing that caught my eye in the news this week. I'm surprised I didn't mention this on Twitch of Fun last night. Was uh, that in Iraq uh, they had a reality show in which they mocked ambushes of celebrities by ISIS. Uh, it's quite it's quite full on. Uh, so they literally... I mean, it's getting impossible to uh, parody. Back in the 90s when we parodied TV and how it might go, this was the kind of thing someone would have gone, what about if someone pretends to kidnap people? But like literally they, they pretended they were driving them into a zone and they passed through a checkpoint. And this is a country where obviously kidnappings by ISIS happened quite a lot. And so for celebrities, actors and soccer players uh, were made to, they were taken in and they would actors kidnap them and bound them up and stuff, including fake weapons and stunt explosions while the militants threatened to detonate fake suicide vests. And then some actors pretending to be the army came and rescued them. And, uh, you know, they've got into trouble for that in Iraq. They've, some people think that's a bit sick. But, you know, that is... if They they all enjoyed it. They all enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being I mean, like, you could, is that fair? I don't know if that's a good idea to put people... Through something as terrible as that, we maybe will talk to... I'm sure my guest will have some views on that. So look, we're going to get we're going to crack straight on. What's lovely is we're doing this uh, in the afternoon, which is quite uh, quite a rarity. Um, you should do this in the evening. This we're recording this on a Friday afternoon and uh, drinking tea and feeling very relaxed. So it's going to be a very different kind of rahalastapa My guest this week is probably best known from her appearance on Word of the Year 2017. That's why we know them. That's <laughs> they're best known for. Though, according to IMDb, they were also uh, the production assistant of Late Night with David Letterman in 1990, though that would have made them three years old at the time. So I'm not convinced IMDb has got that right, but we are about to find out. <laughs> we please welcome the incredible uh, May Martin, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Hello. How God, are you? So much to discuss just off the back of your intro there. <laughs> I, first of all, the, yeah. the tumor. I'm, yeah. I, I didn't, how are you feeling? I mean, I'm feeling fine. It's out. It's and, enormous. Uh, it was. It's like it's been out for like two and a half months, and I had chemo a month later. So I've had chemo about six weeks ago, uh, and um, yeah, it's unbelievably big. But the thing about having it in your testicles is they're on the outside of your body, yeah. and so not officially part of your body. So it wasn't anywhere else, thank God. But it was. It hadn't spread anywhere else. But it's also uh, a very curable uh, cancer. So I've as as unlucky as I am to lose one of my testicles. Uh, I still have another one, and yeah, uh, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, as you can see, and as you all know, as a comedian, 
there's an awful lot of material to get. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm going to be writing about it for the next two years. I mean, so it's yeah, yeah. And your daughter's play doh. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) I mean, there's yeah, there's so much going on. Um, Um, Yeah, I'm good. The kidnapping thing. um, Yeah. that's apparent. You can pay to have people kidnap you. It's like a, a fetish, and people right. pay, and it often goes wrong, and and the cops get called because they'll they'll come up in a truck. It sounds like I've really looked into it, but I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll just throw you in the back of a truck and um, take Jeez. you somewhere, and and yeah. So and I mean, then often people see this and call the police. Yeah, or fight back, or so you know, like that's what oh, I watched quite a few. There's a couple of films. There's the Borat film, and there's another great film called oh, I can't. It's it's better than the Borat film. It's on Netflix. It's called some like bad trip or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, which is, yeah, which is uh but it's it's uh, basically doing stunts and making a film out of it. Both of those things are basically I think Bo- I think uh Borat, I'm gonna call him wore a, a bulletproof vest during his the yeah. same stuff. But they're doing things that you think in America where people have guns must be genuinely really dangerous because it, but you know, someone could fight back. With that situation, if you were kidnapped by ISIS and yeah, you you would might you might well fight back because you think I'm going to die anyway. So oh, hundred percent, yeah, could lead to terrible. But it's it's sort of you know where'd you go? Where'd you go if you're going to parody reality? TV no, there's nowhere, nowhere to go there's now. No, there's nowhere left unless people <laughs> genuinely. I mean, I always thought it'd be quite good to have a pan, you know, a quiz show or a reality show where there's maybe a hundred people taking part and one of the people is going to be executed at the end of it, but the winner <laughs> will win like a million pounds. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So, you know, and you've got to think, is it, well, you know, that's sort of, uh, there's a one in a hundred chance of dying of testicular cancer. So there you go. Yeah. So like I'm in this game show. Oh my God. And would you, I think people would still take part with those odds. I think people would, you'd find a hundred celebrities. It's a celebrity thing. You wouldn't necessarily have to kill them at the end. You'd just say you were going to, but yeah, quite, quite cool to. To to test people's, yeah, resolve like that, yeah. Yeah, and then kill one of them, kill the worst one. Yeah, throw them in the bin. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my, that's the only thing I can think that is too far for TV at the moment, but we'll come back in 10 years and we'll see. Yeah. Um, But let's talk about you. Uh, What was, I mean, I don't want spoilers if people haven't seen it yet. What was the word of the year 2017? Oh, my God. I'm trying to remember. Um, And I think... So I, I'm having this memory that I was asked to film like a sort of VT about the word of the year. And it was, I think it was that, um, is it a Danish word? Hygge? Oh, yes, yes. That, like H Y H Y G G E. And it's yeah. like, it means coziness, right. And that sense of being at home, but they, they had me interview this, um, Danish interior decorator. And, um, I think I just got the tone of it all wrong. It was actually one of the worst things I've ever done on on TV. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I picked it out. That's what I Why didn't they pick Sophie Hagen for that? Why did you How did how did you get the call for that and Sophie Hagen didn't get the call for that? That's a really good question. That yeah. is that it wouldn't happen now because of cultural appropriation. We couldn't do that. And that's the, it was a different time back in 2017. Yeah. Where that that was fine. You could get a Canadian to talk about Denmark, but you couldn't you can't do that now. Yeah, and I kept making sort of bizarre sexual innuendo things. I just really misread like the, I yeah the tone of the whole thing it was kind of a family <laughs> show yeah all right we'll look out for it and were you the production on the production side of late night with david letterman in 1990 is that you yeah i was yeah. a really precocious three-year-old and they were trying to attract a younger audience and i was um yeah well you were quite a precocious child though so it's not it was, <laughs> I, I, I was pretty sure it wasn't you i mean if it had been <laughs> if it had been if it had been something before me, I would have believed it. But uh, but you did start doing. Com- I'm, I'm fascinated by this by comedians who start 
very young and you were 13 when you started doing stand-up. Yeah. And there are some that do it and disappear and then there's some that do it and carry on. And you're obviously in the latter group, so you've got 20 years of uh, stand-up experience, which is sort of incredible. But Really bizarre, yeah. What what drove you to, to start that soon and have the balls... As, you know, well, I shouldn't really say that because I have only got one. The ball. <laughs> I think the bravery to do that. I don't know. I think probably the same thing as all of us is this kind of gaping chasm inside yeah. uh, and yearning for approval and validation, like like most comedians. But maybe mine just started younger. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But I I think I was really extroverted and um, I, I, much more than I am now. I'm I'm quite shy now and and introverted, but I was a really loud kid and doing a lot of Ace Venture impersonations and um, just sort of found this improv class and then started going to clubs and yeah I don't, looking back I genuinely don't know what made me think yeah that I could do that. And did audiences what did was it did were you introduced as being a 13 year old or oh, so yeah. did yeah so did people it, warm yeah. to that or were they nasty? They were sort of it was like you know seeing like a a monkey in a in a suit on a unicycle it was like a sort of circus act type thing yeah. And, and yeah the intro would always be this long thing about my age and I'd come on often in my school uniform and and um I must have just I got away with murder I didn't have any jokes or good material or anything um but you're not gonna heckle a 13 year old are you <laughs> I don't know I just think you might I mean you know I kind of I'm trying to think there was a guy I remember who did Edinburgh and he was he, often it's someone's when they're that age and their dads what kind of wants to be a stand-up comedian and writes them a right. set and, then they, and I remember a guy and I can't remember his name who that who I think that was more or less the situation with and I think it's I'd, maybe it's the UK it just seems so precocious that I think maybe he did get a hard time right um I can't you know I was writing comedy at 13 and I was doing I was probably putting on shows at school yeah. around about that time, but I don't think I would have, even if there had been any clubs in Cheddar in Somerset, which there weren't anywhere near. Um, I don't Cheddar. think I would. <laughs> I've been to Cheddar Gorge. I love have you? Cheddar Gorge. Yeah, yeah it's very, oh, so it's, well, it's all shut down because of COVID and it might not open up again. It's a, it's a, it's a well, you know, the gorge is always going to be open because that's a natural feature, but the caves are uh, closed. So it's very, very sad. Um, I think I didn't get heckled because I was kind of palpably, vibrating with vulnerability and like I was never like an aggressive comic or or even an observational comic I always just spent you know was t making fun of myself and being quite pathetic so yeah yeah that was that's a good way to deflect heckling I think if you're already kind of on the verge of tears <laughs> well it's good you know but it's it's so, so you know it's such an extraordinary thing to go in and be good and I've seen the clip because there's a clip of you at 16 doing, oh, yeah, doing uh, a character character mm. Which, but honestly, you know, I've I, I had John Kearns on the other day, and he one of his student gigs, you know, we, I found, and it was, yeah, you know, it was all there was some stuff in it, but it wasn't very good, and he would have been about twenty, twenty one. As for a sixteen year old, it was this incredibly assured, really well acted character. The audience, I think, don't know if it, even though you've been introduced under a different name, and clearly it's a character. <laughs> I think the audience aren't clear about whether it's a character or not, and are a bit. Uh, laughing but a bit confused I think but it's yeah. really funny it's really good thank you yeah really felt, good like, <laughs> the audience didn't wasn't sure what was going on there yeah that was I I, I did the character called Catherine Butchko I, I called the character that and that was just the full name of a girl in in a school that I'd gone to and I she, she'd been I'd really idolized her and I'd felt like she'd bullied me looking back I don't oh, know right. I don't even know if she did but I didn't think twice about using her full name on tv wearing her school uniform and then it was only later that I realized um, 
yeah, she'd been really upset by that. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> yeah, but, but oh that's well. you know there might be. I we did that a little bit. We I I, I someone bullied me at university, and we a little group of guys in our my college was sort of you know, just rude, you know, nasty to me. Uh, and we used we end up using their names, and one and one of them rang up. After he rang up the BBC and I could hear him talking to my producer. No <laughs> he way. Said he used, he used, he made the actor use my mannerisms, of which we didn't. We just named a nasty character, you know, an idiot character after. Him. Yeah. Uh, and he was really cross, and I was, and she was, she, we got away with it. I think if it happened now, he would have uh, sued. sued us. Would probably have been. Well, also like those names from your youth and childhood. It's always a full name, and they really are burned in your memory. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And if if it's a slightly unusual name or whatever, you, yeah, you've got to use them. I think it's a good name. <laughs> well, but you've done. I was wondering that a lot because um, you there's there's another routine you do about uh, one of your first boyfriends who uh, dumped you over a speakerphone. <laughs> yeah. He's called he's called Ian Peach, and it go it's, it leads on to uh, extra stuff. But in the gig, I saw a woman. You said yeah, someone uh, there was some recognition from the audience and. Yeah. It seemed a woman in the front row had recognized the that, guy. Yeah. Was that, was... I've been doing that, this story about this guy that broke up with me when I was 13 or something called Ian Peach. And I'd been doing that joke for a year. And and, and then, of course, the one time it's televised, this woman <laughs> in the audience, I, I sort of rhetorically went, Ian Peach, anyone know him? And she went, yeah, I do. It was in Canada. And um and she really did know him. She went, yeah. And so after the show, I was like, just please don't don't tell him that how pathetic that I'm still talking about him I was 13 but um <laughs> his name is actually spelled slightly differently to okay yeah so that has helped me I think <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a comedy name I, I mean it's a great name mm. and it sounds like a comedy name that I would have made, made up as the man who invented peaches but the idea I mean, I can't talk. My name's Herring, but the idea of someone being called Peach <laughs> seems very funny to me. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of that's it's bizarre that that would happen in the one that's televised. But you don't think? I think Stuart used to do it as well. Stuart used to literally name his ex girlfriend's mother and have her name in the act and and was really rude about it. Oh my and god! And I think that, and, uh, but I think then when he was on TV, they made him they made him change it. And I think, or maybe he realised it was. If you do it on TV, <laughs> it's sketchy. Yeah. yeah, you suddenly might get into a bit of trouble for for libel. Even back then, people realised it. But there we go. But um, uh, and uh, look, look, are you also? I've I've got very much into ventriloquism over um over lockdown. So I've got a lot of puppets, which I know your dad's got a lot of puppets. But I also found out that you one of your first performances was as a ventriloquist dummy. Is that true? That I read that in the Guardian. Is that yeah? That so was what? A, I was eleven, and um, I my. It was actually my godmother took me to a, a comedy club called Yuck Yucks in Toronto. And I was this very sort of gangly, androgynous 11-year-old. I, I wore like a suede waistcoat and a bow tie. So I looked like a ventriloquist dummy already. But I went and sat in the front row and everyone kept commenting on this weird kid who was there. And then the headliner got me up on stage. I was okay. so thrilled and um he sat me on his lap and made me his ventriloquist dummy and (laughs) but he thought I was a boy so he was making me say all these really filthy things about Pamela Anderson and stuff I was loving it but then at the end he was like and oh you've been a good sport you have anything to say and I was like I'm not a boy and then uh (laughs) yeah that but that it was maybe that's where I like got the bug because that got a huge response from the audience yeah yeah. well that you know I think that well let's see my my comedy epiphany was when I was about four or five and doing a puppet show with this puppet here that I now use in my acts as well this is so oh. it was a bit it looked a bit better that for my grandma my nanan and my mum and uh you know I can remember that first laugh and they were obviously laughing 
at how sweet and cute I was rather than my material. Yeah. But I just remember <laughs> being behind the sofa and hearing this laughter and really thinking, this is this is what I, yeah, it's, <laughs> this it's, is what I want. It's such yeah. a, an electric feeling, isn't it? Yeah. And I just thought every comedian I saw at that age, I just thought was a rock star and yeah. But like Canada, I've no, you know, I've noted this before, a lot of the Canadian comedians that I've interviewed and met in, <laughs> on the, on the, they're quite, there's quite a wild bunch of usually, usually guys, but they're, they're quite heavy drinking, drug taking yeah. sort of, wild guys usually yeah. so as a 13 year old and a teenager you were going to clubs and working alongside guys like this and, <laughs> yeah. and being tra- and being treated by them as an adult or as an equal or was it yeah I yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is I I mean I, I would like to think that just wouldn't happen today I, th- I think if there was a teenager in a green room with me now I'd be I'd call their parents or I'd be yeah. you know you wouldn't party with them would you <laughs> Yeah, but they I definitely did. It was it was yeah, very strange, very confusing. I thought it was, you know, these were my my real friends and and in yeah. a way they were, but in a way also how can they be when there's that huge power imbalance with the, you know, generational divide. So, yeah, it was a bit of a strange. I wouldn't recommend it. Did <laughs> so, they look at did they look out for you or do, I mean, I can't I can imagine comedians are as we know a weird bunch of people. I think they're largely quite nice, but not all of them are nice, but also whether they would care enough about anything like that or did, or did they just did they did you just get on with it? Well, that's a good question. I I dropped out of school when I was 15 and then I started working in the building in the box office. So then I really f- sort of felt like part of the furniture at this club Second City. So I think people definitely forgot my age. And and so, yeah, there were a, f- a few people who really did look out for me and I'm still friends with, but then there were other people who, you know, dated me and uh, gave, right. me, gave me drugs. So, yeah. so no, it was a, a real mix. But I think it really, if you put a teenage uh, person in any industry, there'd be a handful of vampires, you know? No, of course. But, you know, you did get quite heavily into drugs, obviously, at a young age, and that became sort of, a, as was we've seen in your later work, and you've talked about it and, and written this fantastic show partly about it, a TV show partly about it. Um, I mean, do you think you would have gotten to, do you think with, with, that, with that kind of child, you know, teenager yeah. that you, you wanted to experiment? You seemed like you were, I mean, I was very, I, I didn't take drugs till I was in my 30s and then hardly at all, you know, I was yeah, really... really- I was really risk averse. I couldn't. I didn't like the idea of losing control, but I was just terrified that every experience would kill me. So right. drugs, drugs were just like I'm not doing that. I don't want my brain to change. I don't want my. I don't want to die. Um, yeah. But you would. Do you think you were you're the sort of personality that would have got into that? I think so. Yeah. I just felt. I felt really invincible and also frustrated and uncomfortable in my body and sort of angry and and all of those feelings really felt like the world was mad and I, I didn't understand it at all. And yeah. uh, so I think, I, yeah, I was doing drugs at high school as well. And, and then, um, and then there were, there was a lot of cocaine in Toronto in the comedy scene at that time. And it, there really isn't anymore. It was just this brief moment where it, it, you know, it's quite a small community in Toronto and it, and quite cliquey and there was just tons of Coke and I just got, got really into it. So that was bad, but in a way, it's it's weird because I think comedy, although it, I, it was sort of destructive in one way, it also then saved me from the the depths of you know 
pretty serious addiction later on because I because sure. I loved comedy and I was ambitious and I wanted to do well and I wanted to you know and I I did have real friendships there so it's a, it's like a you know so it's both yeah I mean it's sort of interesting in the UK I think because my generation of comedians I mean there was cocaine and stuff going around but I and you you know I could have had some if I'd wanted some although I was never really <laughs> I was never just, offered. I, well I wasn't really very <laughs> you know I wasn't very sociable and I was sort I felt like a bit of an outsider and so I didn't really if I knew that the, that was going to go into that situation, I wouldn't really go into it. But there was a lot of boozing, I think. In my, you know, I think my, I think the nineties comedians were sort of more booze, right? And, yeah, and maybe maybe some coke. And then it feels like you know your generation comedians uh, in the UK at least feel very clean, like they had to clean. stay stay clean so that they would you know could do the ten years of work it takes to get on TV now. Which I think in the nineties, you know, you could do a year or two and be good and and get onto TV and not have to work that hard. Yeah, and and. I read something the other day about just the younger generation coming up and how clean living they are and they're they're not having sex really and they're not doing any drugs and so I think things are changing and and it is good but when I when I started you could still smoke inside in comedy clubs and it just I felt like I got the tail end of that old school kind of thing yeah. it was in 2001 or something so it was like just the tail end of that old culture yeah and I remember getting actually booed off stage for I was yeah 16 and it was a new year's eve show and I went on with a cigarette and um for, and for, that enraged the audience which I kind of <laughs> get I think I must have looked really arrogant and um yeah and I was I sort of thought I was Mitch Hedberg and um <laughs> and everyone was dressed up really posh because it was a special new year's eve gala or something and I was just wearing my you know I was like homeless at the time basically so I looked right. like shit and uh I got booed off the stage fair play you know <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've definitely been through it. I mean, we're talk we're talking about I mean there's I've been it's been really, really lovely this week to kind of I you know, I knew your stuff and I've seen you and we've gigged together a couple of times and um Yeah. You know, I was aware of you, but I, it was good to really kind of de- delve deep. Um I listened to your audio book. Um oh, thanks. which is uh kind of everyone please calm down, which is um it's a, I think it's great to listen to, to the audio book. My wife said she had it on Kindle and that it was very badly formatted on Kindle. So really? it's quite hard to read, yeah. I'm so sorry uh, about that. <laughs> so uh, she did read it, I think, but but I think you're 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 very good. At, just so you let your people know, um, <laughs> but it's I think you should people should listen to it on audio because it's sort of like a it's like a stand up show anyway, really. I very much. It's a three sort of three hours. It's a nice length of audio book, but also I think to get the author doing it, and I think you bring a, a lot out of it in your personality, and it is fabulous. But it's um, what I Thanks. think is interesting at listening to it as a 53 year old man is that, you know I think the book's aimed at younger people right but it feels to me like my generation need to have the book much more I don't think the younger generation really need the book do they whereas that whereas that's exactly right yeah yeah. and so when I was doing a book tour for it and um so speaking to a lot of young people and they were totally like yeah we know you know it's a lot about sexual fluidity and um the way we're headed and and it's quite positive and um they were all yeah a lot of them Oh, it's just so different to when I was in school. You'd get questions at the end and you'd get like the jock, like this. I remember this guy asked a question and he he looked like the most popular boy in the school, this ripped kind of football player, teenager boy. And he was like, yeah, uh, how can I be a better ally to my trans friend? I was like, <laughs> fuck, that's incredible. It's so yeah. different. So, yeah, you're right. I think it's good for parents. And um, yeah, yeah, I hope so. Well, it'd be great if they, you know, I think it's not a subject that I, you know, I think I'm kind of up to speed with a lot of it, but it's also, I think the minute you just hear this stuff discussed, um, and it's both, it's both true of your TV show and, and, um, and this book, it's just because it, it, 
immediately makes this kind of weirdly contentious issue because, like, you know, I think the title gets it. Can everyone please calm down? Yeah. It shouldn't be that kind of contentious about people identifying what they are and who they want to be with and, you know. Totally. It's it's not a contentious thing, being in love with people. And, and, and you would think, my, you know, my generation would have been, you know, in terms of gay rights would have been, most people would have been, like, very on board with gay rights. So yeah. It, sort of, it seems so weird to me that those same people... Yeah. can't get their head around it just being like a couple more, <laughs> couple more I know. slightly different areas but it's it's um it's, you know what it's like the there's been such a backlash hasn't there just in the past few years with it yeah. it's like there's increased visibility around these things and then this big backlash and it feels really like there's these insidious kind of political forces that are co-opting these issues and, and using them to polarize people and and to yeah. make this really fraught public conversation around them that's just so uh, crazy because yeah. it's we're talking about such a small population of people that are so under threat and so it's just wild and uh yeah so i hope that i'm able to like particularly with feel good with my, the tv show like just show the kind of more hu- human chill side of it <laughs> yeah yeah well i think it's, i think that feel good and Chits creek i think really do it in that they both have like you know gay relationships uh, at the center of them and it just immediately feels, you know, it's 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 a normal relationship. Yeah. It's two people in love arguing, getting, you know, falling out, whatever. But but it's it isn't at all strange or alien, you know. It's and and I think that just to show it, just to see it, it hopefully can do loads and loads of good. I, I, I hope so. Yeah, and yeah. I think people have to also be it has to come from from within the. I mean, people have to be allowed to ask questions and not understand yeah. it too, because it, it's just changing so fast. I, I understand that people get kind of a sense of vertigo about it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I don't know. I sort of, I wonder whether it's like, I think there's, I've been thinking about it quite a lot, because I, I think there's there's the kind of cool people who are cool when they're teenagers and then they get older and you kind of wonder, actually, was it was it always just, I, I'm looking out for myself, you know? So, like, mm. they, they're cool teenagers and they're left-wing and, they're going, why, why are there people rich and why are there people oppressing people? And then when they get rich and get power themselves, they're looking out for themselves. And if they haven't actually changed, yeah. they they were always just going, oh, this one suits me because I'm at the moment I'm poor yeah. or, or, or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, and, and I wonder also whether it's, you know, you, I, it, it made me think about, um, you know, how different things were. I mean, I grew up in the 70s and 80s and things were really different and it was very repressed, I think, and certainly... Um, in terms of homosexuality or any, you know, any gay, you know, gay was just a word meaning bad, you know, both yeah. bad and and homosexual. Yeah. And both those things were terrible. And to a boy and and that time, it was, you know, you, you really had to go, no, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. And the, the if you look at sitcoms from, I mean, even to be honest, into well into this century, yeah. Uh, often in America, comedy films, the main joke for a guy is another guy's touched their leg, and then oh no, you know, yeah. oh no, I'm not. So even now, when you think things have moved on, but it's, it's you're right. It's pretty recent. That yeah, I think yeah. we forget that, and so people have they get kind of tired of all the conversation around it, and the and the yeah, the increased visibility and stuff. But yeah, you're right. It's important to remember a how recent that change is, and yeah. b like. It's still illegal in more than seventy countries in the world. You know sure. that's huge still. So it is still important. We're just but I think this- you know it's right at the heart of some someone of my generation. Still at the heart of you know. And if you haven't gone, okay, this is <laughs> this is a bit weird. Why it's so obsessive? But I think there's a part of me that goes, okay, you know, that's a, it's. 
I wonder if some people like resent a younger generation because they've got freedoms that w- that my generation didn't have, uh, and you know, th- yeah, whether there's an element of sort of g- that people are so angry about it sometimes you go, why are you so angry about what someone else is doing? None yeah. of the, you know, I mean, with the people who get so upset about trans rights as well, I mean, I go, how much has this ever impacted on your life? Have you? I don't think most of them have ever met a trans person. You know, it's yeah. not a, it's not a huge thing in their lives, and yet no. they make it a huge thing in their lives. I and I wonder if it's I wonder if it's just that. So yeah. envy and also why wasn't I? Because I feel a bit. I read, you know, read, listening to your book, I feel I feel it's a shame that for, because it's it's not just a, you know for any sexuality for any gender wherever you're wherever you're placing yourself today on that spectrum. Um, you know, there are there as you say that you know if you if you identify as straight, then you will there'll be things you do that are still st- like weird and inverted yeah. commas compared to what people expect of that. So it's you know That's... it does speak to everyone that book. I think. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I really think a lot about like, oh, I know you do lots of stuff about men's mental health and stuff and talk about it. And you, that, that's like, I mean, that's this strict kind of gender binary that we enforce and these really yeah. kind of sort old fashioned ideas about masculinity and, and, and stuff that they really harm straight people more than anyone. Yeah. And, and, and they're just as constrictive and like suffocating. And, you, you know, no one's living up to those ideals of yeah, masculinity and femininity. So yeah, it can only be a positive thing for everyone. I think if we get less gendered about things, slightly more <laughs> inclusive. You know. Yeah, and you know, you can. Everyone, no one's forcing anyone to do anything they don't want to do. Exactly. I mean, if that's happening, that's bad. But as yeah. long as that's not happening, it's it sort of it, it it makes me it makes me sad. It makes me sad to see people who were who were you know in advert commas cool in the you know, in the nineties and, and then you see what they're <laughs> see the stuff they're spouting now. Yeah. And as a middle aged person that kind of terrifies me. You think, is there a day you just wake up and turn into a into an utter prick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <goes against>. yeah. <laughs> or how can you you know, because even the the sort of LGBTQ plus thing, the number of people who you know make jokes and I'm sure I've done it as well to be fair, about not being able to remember what the letters are or how many they're gonna it's really not Everyone remembers Rahalastapa, so they must be able to remember LGBTQ, even if it changes a little bit, you know. So it's it's, it, it's, it's the same number as letter, of letters as RSPCA, isn't it? Yeah. It's like not that hard, but also there's a um, Q in there that makes it harder though, because Q is such an unusual letter. It is L- unusual, L- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And plus, um, but you but, know, I mean, I even, I, yeah, I I worry about saying the wrong thing, and it's because there's this, this like sense that ever that it's such a sensitive thing that it's scary to engage and ask questions and talk about. And, and I even like when I'm on stage, I'm, I'm thinking, fuck, if I use the right word there, you know? So yeah, we all do need to chill. I, I do. And I think that's part of it. I think part of it is the fear of, you know, certainly to my parents and stuff, they, 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 they sort of fear saying that they're good, decent people. Things were different when they were younger in lots of different areas, but yeah. they fear saying the wrong thing. And it's what, it's almost more that. And I suppose the reaction of, yeah, the reaction of going, how dare you get it wrong, rather than going, hey, come on, let's try and let's work together to try and get this right. Yeah, is maybe it was maybe pushing them away, but um, yeah, no, it's it's I really massively recommend it. It's um, it really um, sort of encapsulates all this. I know you wrote it a couple of years ago, so it's it's. I think you've I've heard you say you think it's out of date already, but, <laughs> yeah, maybe, but it yeah. does. Uh, <laughs> but it does. You know, I think it's it, again, it's using humor. But I love it when you know Sarah Pasco does it, and I suppose I do it a bit, and 
writing a sort of serious book that's a book about a serious subject but from a comedic point of view so there's loads of laughs in there it's 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 thanks it's uh you know it's great yeah uh, i am um, i was thinking before doing this that like the last time when, when we were doing gigs together i think i was doing musical comedy like I mean, I was doing such different stuff and I'm such a fan of yours. So I'm really relieved that you've seen the more recent stuff because I remember just bombing on, on lineups with you at some festival and, Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't remember you bombing, but also I wouldn't. You know, that's what I, it's like when you watch, when I watch that thing of the the sixteen year old you going. This audience should be way <laughs> giving this way more. This is so impressive. Like it's so <laughs> impressive, and they know that you're like super. You know, super young, and they they you know you are much cleverer. <laughs> so as long as you know you can you can tell, but you know that's. That, I think it's um, you know you're finding your way. That's why I think it's interesting start because I couldn't have st- I couldn't have started doing professional comedy you know or in a in a like adult environment as a 13 or 14 year old i think even even coming into it as a 21 22 year old i think you're sort of so you're you're removed from like a big chunk of your audience right so like yeah. a lot of your audience are old you know they're not massively older than you maybe but they're five ten years older than you yeah um, they, and, and they don't like being told something by someone younger than them no. for sure and also you don't know who you are yet and no for me i spent a good a good decade trying to be cool and and that's the enemy of comedy right is i to... think so I, d- I think it is and i think it's interesting with you because like your your backstory is so <laughs> different than how you come across now oh thanks and i think that's because <laughs> you know i mean you've changed i presume but but you know and that's but that's also interesting because people do change and people learn you know i think we're again we're unforgiving of the mistakes people make especially yeah. in their teenagers um but you you know you'll learn from doing these things hopefully if you get through them in one piece and then you know you seem to, in a way that like a lot of people who are into drugs when they were young i've you know i've seen a lot of people go properly off the rails or just become a bit crazy or yeah. you know not maybe it's because they don't give it up in time yeah, um, I think that might be partly it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even when I was when I was doing really bad drugs, I I always was this kind of goofy weirdo. I was I was never sort of like scowling in the corner. I was always kind of just <laughs> I don't know, didn't know what was happening. Sure, um, but anyway, it's great. Well, I love the fact that you uh, you've talked about this a bit. I think before, but you were into Bette Midler uh, as a as a young yeah <laughs> as a youngster. But again, I that really that really kind of chimed with me because like, I remember I was I was always sort of so interested in those feelings and in sex yeah. but again it was a very weird the people who I liked I remember liking Nana Muscuri who you won't remember who was a sort of Greek middle-aged woman with really <laughs> big glasses uh, I like the Bar- sound of that yeah Barry Manilow yeah. I was really into and then <laughs> the lead singer of Sweet, who you probably won't remember, and the and the blonde one from ABBA, the the female blonde one from ABBA. So That's I had so a very specific as a as a four or five year old. <laughs> I had a very you know eclectic, and so that's you know again I sort of think oh, you know that was that was some you know that, that like I was ready purest... to experiment yeah with, with every you're... type of person. Totally, when you're that what... age and before the world tells you who's who is yeah. the you know supposed to be fit, and it's because Bette Midler really is. Is sim- Bette Midler is a more attractive prospect than Nana Muscuri, I have to say, right. but <laughs> it's still quite an unusual choice because when you were watching it, she would have been like again mid, quite middle oh, age, mid forties at yeah, least, yeah. 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 And I think she sort of embodied this kind of outrageous like femininity that felt so untouchable to me. Like I, it was so different to how I felt. She was just this mysterious kind of goddess, and 
she has a kind of drag queen energy, doesn't she? Sometimes yeah. like that. Yeah. I think I was attracted to the flamboyant ness of it. And uh, yeah, I just couldn't believe I was obsessed. I, I still don't know if she, I did this stand up special on, on Netflix and, and everyone was tweeting at us both. And, but it's, right. it's got really graphic descriptions in it of like dreams I had about her. And I wonder if she knows I exist. I, <laughs> I'd like to think that she'd be okay with it. <laughs> I think as long as you don't, you're not sending them directly to her. I think it's okay, but I think yeah. it must. It's it's weird enough being mildly in the public eye when the sort of <laughs> the things that sometimes people feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. Do you think if you met Nana Mascara, would you still have <laughs> rumblings? <laughs> I don't think for her. I mean, Bar- you know, Barry Manilow was a big, I mean, but, but weirdly, I think both of them appeared in at, at the time. There were just quite long adverts in the middle of like. It feels like children's TV or daytime TV in the seventies, where they would they were doing compilation out. I think they were they were both from that, and they were quite long adverts. I think Barry Manilow might be more of a problem for me. There was just something, certainly. Well, Brian Connolly, uh, the lead singer of Sweet, not the comedian, uh, has sadly died, so I'm I'm safe from him. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think uh, well, you know, but Ag- is it Agneta or yeah? I think it's the the anyway the the Abba lady. Oh yeah, is she alive? Um, she's still alive, but she had had st- a weird stalker. Who she ended up in a relationship with? What? Uh, and it was, but then he carried. So basically, it just—I don't know the full details of this. Check. Online, I'm going to Google but, that. Yeah. But um, but he, she, he basically kind of stalked her a little bit. But at the end, because he, he, she was living out sort of in Sweden in the middle of nowhere because she was a bit of a recluse, and I think he moved near to her, and then they started having a relationship. And my memory—I may have got this wrong, and this is probably from Emma Kennedy because she's obsessed with uh, shit. But I think he was. <laughs> I think he was collecting her turds from, <gasps> from, no. the, from the bathroom. So even though he'd got he'd got there, he yeah. was a stalker. He managed to get in a relationship. That, the, I mean, this is a good sitcom, right? I think we yeah, should write this as a sitcom. A definitely. stalker who ends up in love with. But he still wants to do the stalking. Like, yeah, that's he still what, wants to do the pervy yeah. stuff. So he I was obviously she's... just enjoying the act of stalking more than <laughs> it didn't matter who it was. Uh, there's a there's a museum in East London that's like a museum of curiosities. Victor right. Wynne's Museum of Curiosities, and it's just this weird basement filled with weird kind of gothic objects and curiosities. And one of them is Kylie Minogue's poo. And I always think, how did they get it, and who got it, and why? And I don't know if someone just stumbled, someone was cleaning her dressing room and found it. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'd like to or did they just really. write to all the celebrities and say, we want a bit of your poo for our museum? And she was the only one who sent some back. Yeah, she was that like, all right. We're <laughs> going to make a poo museum. <laughs> That's a good, we got two good ideas straight. We've just spitballed two great. We've got the stalkers marrying their, their, marrying the, their victim and the poo, poo, museum. Mu- a poo museum, a celebrity yeah. poo museum. That could be a game show. Yeah. And then people have to the... guess the celebrity poo from... Yeah, it's like I really it's, like that. It's like through the keyhole, but it's through the asshole. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> there you go. Is yeah. We've got it. it we absolutely be, um, got it. Who's it? Pete Doherty would just be like lava. <laughs> it would be some horrendous, toxic substance. I mean, if you had to be, also, I'd, my poos are so inconsistent, and some of them are good. You know, I would be proud to put them in a museum, but some of them, um, no, not. I don't want people seeing that one yeah. down the line. So it would be quite the. You know the the burden put on you of having to provide the perfect sample for that you knew was going to be seen in a museum for maybe centuries to come. Yeah, I'd spend a few days, you know, <laughs> sifting through, trying to well, yeah. well just eating, <laughs> eating, eating right. Good food. You know, yeah. I have a friend who has a phobia of just a hypothetical scenario where she poos and she looks down and the poo is white, all white, 
And okay. it's just a hypothetical. I don't think that's a thing that happens to anyone or anything, but she's terrified that one day her poo will be all white. Right. Like chalk. Well, because that used to be the bit that used to be the observational comedy joke again of the eighties and nineties, maybe is or maybe the nineties was where's the white dog poo gone? Because there used to be white dog poo. Oh, and really? I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. There must have been something to offend to dogs in the seventies, and then they stopped doing it, and then you'd never see white dog poo again. Oh no um, way! Yeah, so maybe that's maybe she's heard that joke and then yeah. <laughs> worried that that could happen. If it can happen to dogs, it could happen to humans. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is this is a good this is a good conversation. Yeah, this and is good shame, stuff. <laughs> it's a shame to move on from it. So I'm not going to. Now I want to talk. I want to talk about feel good a bit more, which we I've, I've, we've me and Katie have been. Um, Really, she was last week's guest. I ended up uh, in a relationship with her, and we're together, and now yeah. we're, watching feel, feel, we're watching Feel Good uh, together. Uh, we've watched five of the six episodes in the last two or three days, uh, and it's really good. I mean, it's genuinely so impressive. I can't Thank tell you, you. Uh, that because um, you know, again, what we said before about you know showing that world and making it all seem like. Uh, that that it speaks to everyone and and whatever, but also the the niceness of seeing a a, a female relationship, a two females relationship on TV, and it being a, a, a not not a you know it's, it's the same as Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek didn't treat it as being anything unusual, you know, and it's and that's, yeah, definitely uh, didn't know. set out to kind of no. teach anyone anything. I think that's the, the no. best thing you can do. Is like I think just... that's exactly the same. Yeah, that, you know, and it, I mean, Shit's Creek lives probably a little more in a, a world where absolutely nobody <laughs> yeah. they meet cares about it, and yeah. no one discusses it, and that's sort of interesting. But this is sort of a bit more realistic. But it's yeah. but it's also, um, but I just think like all the 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 sort of scope of it is so grand. It feels like an American sitcom to me. And I know there's only two of you writing it. In yeah. that you know you've got all these characters, and it's almost like four or five sitcoms in one series to me. In that you've got the crazy flatmate who's you know a bit wild that could yeah. be a sitcom you've got the family <laughs> you've got the kind of posh mates of, of, of your girlfriend george yeah. in it narcotics uh, anonymous group uh, yeah narcotics uh, which again is a little bit like um louder milk which I've, i was watching recently which uh, uh it's sort of similar but you do it in a very different way uh and uh and then the comedians in the club as well which is weirdly the only bit that isn't totally realistic in yeah. the same the same comedians are yeah. always in the same club but I understand I why you had to do that is it the frog and bucket it's the frog and bucket right yeah it's the frog yeah. and bucket in Manchester yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which I don't know if it's closed down now that club but yeah that's where we filmed but yeah you're right realistically it should have been a revolving door of lots of different comedians but we needed we fudged it that it's just the same comedians every well, it night. wouldn't work because you get to know those characters so it you know it could f- almost be a week where they've got a week's residency yeah. doesn't quite doesn't quite work but no it's nice <laughs> so it still it still works but yeah i think the that sort of scope for it but also it's 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 a comedy drama really rather than a sitcom maybe i don't it's yeah. certainly I mean, sitcoms are allowed to be serious as well, but it certainly covered. We just watched episode five, which is the most sort of emotive and challenging one, I think. And yeah. it's, um, yeah, but it's 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 brilliant. And you and I'd, I'd heard you, and I think I last time I saw you, you'd just been an uncle. I said, "Oh, you're an uncle. You're great." And you went, "Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not really." You'd said made some disparaging com- comment about your own acting. Yeah, but you're <laughs> and you're in it, but you're in a in a cast of amazing actors in this, and you really hold your own in it. Thanks. I, know- I, I think that's the trick is surround yourself with, with really great because like someone like like Sophie Thompson or Lisa Kudrow, they're like when they're looking at you and their eyes are kind of boring into you that you don't have to do much acting because you're 
you just in it with them because they're like these sorceresses <laughs> you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I was so nervous about acting though I found it so much scarier than anything I've ever done um yeah I think because stand-up is you're so in control it's just a one-sided conversation and so to be to be dealing with all these other people <laughs> yeah I loved it well, but you know, but it's also not because it's not. I think some comedians go and do a sitcom, and it's it is sort of them as a stand up. But obviously, you are a stand up in this. But it's there's so much emotion to get across because it's so much about relationships, and you know, there's a lot of kissing and stuff to do, which is which I think yeah. people might find <laughs> difficult and awkward. I mean, I suppose the last thing I, I did thought... was in 2007, where I did this. I did a sort of comedy drama where I was in it, and I was I found it very difficult. I was surrounded by brilliant actors, and I had to kiss someone a lot. But all I got was that I'd only written it so that I could kiss this girl, which was quite annoying because I was actually going out with the girl, so I could have kissed her anyway. Oh God, that's but, the uh, it's the worst when people say <laughs> stuff like that because you're like, what do you think? I, like, what a huge amount of work to go to that would have been. <laughs> Just to, though, to be fair, kissing Charlotte Ritchie must be a pretty a pretty good uh, perk of the job. Oh, she, she's she's an angel, yeah. But um, I, I, that was definitely an aspect of it. I was absolutely bricking it. But we sure, we did no, a pilot first. Um, yeah. So we were lucky. We did this 15 minute pilot that no one will ever see. So I kind of had a chance to get over the extreme nerves of, of kissing someone. And then, yeah, it goes once. Yeah, we rehearsed. We, we had a long period to sort of get comfortable with each other. And then, yeah, I mean, the she's truth is those those sort of sex scenes or kissing scenes are actually excruciating. Yeah. Well, because, well, I mean, you know, you're, you're surrounded by a crew of people, first of all, but also, uh, yeah. You know, I did a few, there was sort of me coming out of a, falling out of a bath and stuff like that. So I was nude in uh, some of it. But like one of the, the production assistants came up to me and said, yeah, I was just sitting in the room watching the monitor and the, the monitor was just a complete close up of your penis. No. And you gotta go, oh my be, God. <laughs> you gotta go, that's a bit weird because, you know, you're sort of my boss. Uh, and it was, yeah. You know, so, so you're in this kind of quite human, it's not a John Barrowman experience. It's a, uh, you know, exactly. You're not, you're not wanting to not wanting to display yourself, but you can't really get away with it if you're if you're sort of doing something no. like that. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you just what on the screen. It's this like quite tender, artistic sort of portrayal of queer love and stuff. And if you could just zoom out, and there's all these massive guys in their jackets just bored out of their minds and wanting lunch and then like the take ends and you just buried your soul and you're half naked and everyone's like right moving on like you're like fuck yeah very no, exposing yeah but you're you know you're you're great and i've seen you talking about you know how uh to begin with you were sort of putting your face in the shape of what you thought the emotion was yeah then do you sort re- of, relate to that at all like, yeah I, I do i do because like literally near the end of my filming uh, one of the actors just said, "You know, just um, you just got to feel what the just talk, just feel, just feel the, the feelings." Face. I really so thought I saw, it was so just about facial expressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you just get into it and just you know, and are in the moment. I mean, I really admire actors and and good actors, especially. Uh, it's a to do it really well when you when you are up against somebody who's fantastic. You go, oh my god, this is and it is sort of easier when you're up against. Somebody. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I have to say the Jonathan Crenshaw running joke is the one of the uh, most enjoyable <laughs> things I've seen. I really Thanks. absolutely loved that. Loved that. We were really, really laughing. Thanks. Yeah, Joe and I, my co-writer and I, have a real kind of shared sense of humor when it comes yeah. to just funny sounding words, just the sounds of words. And yeah. Hoggy, Hoggy Dunlop, Jonathan Crenshaw, a lot of things about wasps and um, 
yeah, yeah, worms. I think it's just that all he's always. Ref- I mean, this is a fictional character who's been made up in the show, but he's always just referred to by his full yeah. name. And it's, but it's all. It's never like it's never. You know, it's always lightly thrown away. It's brilliant. <laughs> so do look out for that if you watch it I, again. Uh, there is a and there's a second series of this uh, coming up. Yeah, we filmed it in lockdown, and um, it's coming out really, really soon. Yeah, right. I hope people like it. It's it's different to season one but same tone i think and same sort of scope so i yeah i hope i'm excited about it yeah well i i really am i think it's uh it's one of but there's so you know there is a lot of good stuff going on now as as much as people go look back to golden ages of comedy yeah. <laughs> and you can pick out something and go well this isn't that good or that isn't that good they those things all existed in the 70s and 80s and you've forgotten about them that's there true be, yeah there seems to be a lot of um especially female-led there's a lot of very strong female-led sort of comedy drama within this within this sort of area but they are all like inhabiting different worlds as well so it's um it's it's very exciting um and good i'm going to ask you some emergency questions yes please i've got got some new ones great i I quite like this I'm, i'm trying to do some would you rather ones i might be doing a would you rather book uh, so, oh, I would so, love that. So um, I'll do I'll do uh, I'll do a uh, more comical one first. I don't know what have I got. Would you rather have a sense of smell that could travel in time, i.e., you could smell any environment from the past or future, but not something specific? You would just go your your sense of smell would travel in time, but nothing else would. Okay. Or have a free pineapple delivered to your door every day for the rest of your life. Oh. Um, and that will be delivered at 7 a.m. wherever you are in the world, and the people won't wake you up. It will just be left outside your door. But there'll be a fresh uh, pineapple waiting for you wherever you are. Or you can, you can at your will, go and sort of smell. If you wanted to smell like Henry VIII's farts or something, which I'm thinking is probably where you'd go immediately, yeah. you wouldn't be able to go right up to his bum. You'd just be in the room when he farted. So you would get there'd be some there'd be some bleeding of other smells from yeah. the room. But you would get an, you'd get a sense, I think, of Henry VIII's fart. I mean, it's to me. There's no, there's no question. I'd, I'd want the smell thing. I, the, yeah. the pineapples would so quickly become a burden. It would be like the, the novelty would wear off so fast, and you'd, be, you'd yeah. start to despise them. Just that. Okay. I, I, I mean, I'm not a, a huge fan of them anyway. I, I have, no. I, I'm allergic to kiwis, and I kind of, okay. I, I kind of lump pineapples into that family, and they, they sort of make me feel a bit itchy in a way, but. Um, yeah, oh, also they're, they're really difficult. If you get an actual pineapple, they're quite cu- difficult to get into and eat. So I think yeah. you're right. Maybe it should be diced pineapple. You know, maybe that would yeah. be better. Diced pineapple. It's, it's already diced good. up for you. I, I think so. I like, I remember going on holiday and having a peach every morning in Italy. Like oh, the part of the breakfast nice. buffet was like a fresh peach. And I just thought, this is the most luxurious thing in the world. Yeah, that's and I would do. I would like. I mean, it's nice when you look at it, the Amalfi Coast sitting outside drinking yeah. <laughs> cappuccino. But just the idea of eating a peach every single morning, I think I could cope with a peach every every day. Yeah, I occasionally it, do it. You can it, do it because they sell them in shops. Well, if it was an Italian peach, then your life is good. But if it was a sort of wood woody like yeah, again. scabby old British peach, I don't okay. know. But the fruit, I would love the to fruits smell, off the fruits the, off. But we know what, what, what would you the smell. Past, what, what would you smell? Well, the past is all going to smell one way, isn't it? It's all going to smell bad. Like, I mean, I did one of those ghost tours in Edinburgh um, once, and, yeah. and they were just talking about how they would just throw buckets of waste out the window and the streets, and it just would have been this pestilent cesspit of uh, there's yeah we know yeah. that and and yeah so I but I'd really like to smell the future yeah really I would love that. 
I'm, how good is yours? See, I don't think my sense of smell is good enough to really get many. You know, I suppose if it's a post-apocalyptic nuclear waste nightmare, I might be able to smell that. Yeah, you'd be able to smell if a city was burning or something. Yeah. But what else? You could. Yeah, you could. Uh, well, apparently, space, outer space, smells like metal and steak, like cooking beef and and steel that's what okay. outer space smells like apparently so i heard the center of the universe smells of <laughs> raspberries that's what i heard no that's what i've heard who told you that well i think i read it somewhere but it was also on a podcast but i can't remember which podcast it was that i was listening to recently i don't think it was the no such thing as a fish who would know their stuff yeah so uh yeah I, no, i'd love so to think that was the case it might just be in the middle it's raspberries on the edge it's steel and yeah, ste- I mean steaks night. Well, so, but that sort of implies there's lots of uh, burning, burnt up aliens that are out there, or, or Bloody cows at least. Kind of, yeah. Well, but maybe so. Yeah. Can I smell? If I'm smelling into the future, can yeah. I do interstellar smelling? Like, can I wow. be smelling I mean, another world? Is, I think we'd have to give the pineapple something. Maybe yeah. it'd be a yeah. pineapple. The pineapple that if you put it up your bum, it'll cure cancer. Yeah, something like versus that. Versus that, that, if you want that as well. We need something spectacular for the, yeah. for the pineapple to cope with interstellar. It would be nice to smell space and other planets. Oh, and it would be useful because you go, yeah, there's, there's stuff going. I can smell shit on this planet. There's, yeah. there's, there's life on this planet. Yeah. Oh, God, I would love that. I, I really, I, I, have, I bought a VR uh, virtual reality headset and, okay. and I, all I want is the outer space ones and I there's one where you can kind of zoom through the galaxy and I'm just in our lifetime I really hope we see commercial space travel even though I'm sure it's that's a horrible thing to say it's probably so bad for the environment and all that but I want to get you'll out be there. Able to, I think you and uh, maybe not me I think you'll be, then well maybe we could I think this I think actually going into orbit will be possible if you've got yeah. a huge amount of money yeah um uh, it'd be yeah it'd be i mean there's a bit in uh feel good isn't there where you discuss uh black holes and whether that means they'll be interstellar travel yeah. in our lifetimes <laughs> uh so uh yeah i i it would be nice to think that i don't think it's i don't think it's gonna practically happen within our lifetime i've been i've been reading this book about physics recently that i didn't quantum physics which i didn't really understand much about and it seems to be turning to it goes so crazy once you get so far into quantum physics that it's just like another religion yeah. of, of madness of 10 dimensions and it's, uh, ability to travel through time and bend space and stuff. But, yeah, uh, yeah, it gets really mystical, doesn't it? And Yeah, um, yeah and abstract and I, the I'm universe really into all is that a, stuff. The universe is a, our universe is potentially just a bubble that's bubbled up that all the conditions are right for the bubble to stay together, whereas there'll be lots of universes where not all you know because it's everything so perfect and balanced within our universe that's the theory is that there'd be other universes that would just pop or disappear or just have nothing in them so the reason we're here that there's that the big bang is just one of you know billions Uh, and billions or infinity amount of uh of big bangs which is just that's just really that's just that we live in a big bubble yeah, <laughs> on the back of a turtle, and yeah, I, and they believe physicists believe. So do you believe this? Physicists believe that everything is predictable. So therefore, there's no free will because everything's just we're all just acting as we would act. Um, and I think that with the fact that we have consciousness and ability to make decisions warps that. I don't think decisions fall into free will because even there was one experiment they said that um, they told people that. 
free will didn't exist or there was something like that. So, yeah. So, uh, and those people then acted much more selfishly than the people who were told free will did exist. So they had the free will to choose. Totally, to, yeah. To behave selfishly. <laughs> I think I'm, they proved that free will does exist by that. But no. I really believe that if we that if people believed that there was no free will, they would all just go go mad. It's a but I, I'm really into all of that, like the um, multiple universe theories yeah. and things, or the simulation theory, and uh, yeah, yeah, I love it all. I, I it, mean, it seems likely to me. I think we are in a simulation because yeah. the chance, the chances of being in a universe where everything where life is possible, where the dinosaurs got destroyed and the, the humans existed at all, and that we then live at this point in time where everything is so cushy and nice, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sort of so unlikely. I think we're definitely a simulation. Yeah, I think so. It's Yeah, it's mad, actually, that we're going around going, no, it's just a really weird fluke. That Like, it's so statistically improbable. That, yeah. That, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Out of all the things, all the times and places and things we could have been born as, and then just even the chance of us being born from that that one ejaculation that created us yeah. is still millions to one. So I reckon... I reckon the Earth's been going for about ten years, and yeah. uh, everything before ten years ago is just made. You know, it's been implanted in our brains. Really? That's what, I, that's what I think. Do you think some? It's just some geek playing Sims, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's some giant <laughs> some, geek, some teenager. And there's no reason why God should be. I, I also think if there is a God, if someone has created, it, there's no reason why they should be good. In fact, I think logically, logically, they have to be bad because if they were perfect, they couldn't have. Cre- could you have created something? imperfect from scratch and why would you deliberately create something if you were perfect why would you deliberately create something that was so imperfect and full of such nastiness suffering and pain yeah Yeah. or or they must just be if there is someone they must just be as flawed and as as we are i think so i think we've sorted it out so the universe is 10 years old (laughs) and it's some flawed geek and uh yeah (laughs) um would you rather be i think this is an interesting question let's see if i'm right no i've never asked anyone else would you rather be prince william or prince harry Ooh. oh man that's hard it is hard for lots of reasons yeah because neither of them i think neither option is particularly you know I, I, if I could choose something else i would be the third thing Uh, yeah if i have to choose between those two it's whether you want to be king and trapped within that family or do you yeah. want to be free but sort of trapped in something else though maybe but yeah I mean, trapped in something else and and also not and also you've got much more freedom i think but you've been cut off from everything as I well think I'd go, i mean look i just want a simple life and so i i think i'd pick william actually because yeah. I, I think he's got um you know lovely little kids and he's yeah. uh you know he's not sticking his head above the parapet too much he's yeah i think uh, I just wouldn't want the stress of being of being Harry. I think I'd go William. I what see. I think uh, I think I'd go for Harry because I think they're all. I and as much as I think the royal family is a ridiculous thing to still be going, um, I think that they're more trapped and emotionally sort of repressed as a result of being in it than he will be. I think he'll. I think he'll escape it. He'll do okay. Um, they'll probably break up in about five years, but. You know, he, he at yeah. least he's. I think at least he's got out of it, and and then he he and his kids have a shot at something resembling a normal life. It still won't be a normal life, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand it. So yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. Now I'm now I'm changing my answer. Actually, See, it's, but it's actually, yeah. you know, it would be appealing to be. You know, the idea of being king. 
and <laughs> even though it's not there's not any power there's an there's an element of power to it and if you do it well you could change a lot of stuff yeah so there's I, there is all i'm changing i'm gonna go for william i've, I've changed i'm going for william now. i'm going for harry because I, okay. I i want that freedom now and i want to meet oprah and i want to yeah he does seem yeah you're right you're right cool that's good uh and let me do one more question one of my new questions these are very much uh uh, again, this might be interesting. Would you rather be the most beautiful person in the world or the cleverest person in the world? If you choose cleverness, your current attractiveness will decrease 25%. If you choose beauty, you will become 25% less intelligent. Ooh. Uh, well, I'm going to have to go with intelligent, but I'm, yeah. not, I'm not thrilled about it. I mean, <laughs> that, I'd be pretty – I'm pretty um, – but I'm not, like, vain in that I – think how much like I, I'm sort of full of self-loathing and stuff but I do obsess over how I look like I you know my hair yeah. is like never right and I just so I it would force me to really but maybe the extra intelligence would make me not value beauty at all you know yeah I think it probably would but I, I you know do you not think like really beautiful people just get such an easy right it'd be interesting to be like really I think we're both you know, certainly if you take 20 years off me, reasonably attractive people. Yeah. I think you're a very attractive Thank person. You. Thank you. Thank you. Ditto, ditto. But, but we are not, you know, we're not, neither of us are up there in that, those. Those angular Angelina yeah. Jolie type faces where yeah, you, yeah. you just think it's almost alien. It's And you're right, you get fit privilege, don't you? Yeah, you absolutely do. I suppose it doesn't last. That's the only thing. And I, I suppose you, if it, if it was all, if you're always going to have it, I just think, you know, the, and beautiful people don't know that that's why maybe we don't know. Maybe we're getting loads of benefits that we don't know because we're so attractive as well. But <laughs> I, think, I think they get so, so much extra and people are so keen to uh, impress beautiful people. And that's I don't so think the true. same is true of intelligent people, but it would be cool to be the cleverest person in the world. Yeah, but you're, they- you're right. It must be a curse in a way to be insanely good looking because yeah. you, you would, you'd have such a warped sense of, your own kind of worth because yeah people would just bend over backwards to like yeah it, it definitely we value but also, it if you're the cleverest person in the world then no one is clever enough to really understand what you're saying yeah. i think in cleverness sort of being the hundredth cleverest person is probably the best you yeah. need to be sort of clever enough that people who are listening to you think oh he's clever rather than so clever that everyone goes that's just insane because it's the same thing it's like listening to physicists it yeah. just seems insane to me what they're saying you know you just say string theory and all this stuff it just seems like you've gone crazy, this isn't a thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you're also, so clever that I can't <laughs> comprehend what you're talking about. And it's not really, it, yeah, that kind of hyper-intelligence like that, I don't think it's that compatible with, with happiness, I think. The more no, you dig around, you, you get so overwhelmed. And yeah, my brother was talking about if there are aliens that are intelligent enough to travel interstellarly, and then there's absolutely no guarantee that they have any empathy or compassion because they no. would have, yeah, so, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you know, we haven't got empathy and compassion for the creatures on our own planet, so and we're the cleverest ones, supposedly, so there's absolutely no reason yeah. to think <laughs> that they wouldn't just go, fuck you. It's all, it, it, I sort of wonder whether, because if you're, if you're intelligent enough to travel va- the vast swathes of space, whether that would make life on other planets sort of more significant or less significant to you, because if there's stuff everywhere... You go, well, what's the point of that? Let's leave that alone. We'll go somewhere else. But if there isn't much around yeah, and you have to go and find the place to go to, I don't know whether you'd have more respect for life or less respect for life if you were clever enough to be able to tra- traverse the universe and see all the life that there must be out there. Yeah, like I, I respect 
ants, but I wouldn't try to have a chat with one, or, or and yeah. I wouldn't think twice about stepping on one. So no, if we're, exactly. if, yeah, if we're like I, ants. Don't, I don't even respect them. I'm, no, I'm going really? to go as far. Go as far. <laughs> I, like, I wouldn't talk. I wouldn't talk to them. I don't care about stepping on, and I don't respect them. I disrespect wow. them. <laughs> you actively disrespect them. I absolutely do. Um, hey, look, the, we, I can't believe we've done so long already, but we have that we've done about an hour, which is lovely, and it's just you know. Let's do another. No, let's. Um, <laughs> before I forget, tell me you've got you're, you're coming back and doing a stand up show. Hopefully in the autumn. Is that or is it? Is it yeah, I'm starting so, to, to sort of try things out at the end of this month, and then great. Yeah, and going properly on tour in the autumn. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be really rusty. Sap, is, is it called Sap? <laughs> yeah, it's called Sap. Yeah. Okay. So it might be one of those things where you pick the title way before you've <laughs> written the show. <laughs> well, Sap's quite good because you could just do make it into an acronym as well if you can't think of anything. About that's, sap to put in. That's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Sexy um, and positive. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> I'm going to make uh, sweaters that look like the, the gap. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and have have you found not gigging? Is it? I mean, I know you've been doing so many other stuff things anyway. That yeah, I'm lucky. I had to. I had feel good to film during yeah. during the pandemic, but I really miss it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I do really miss it. I think. I think it sort of helps me figure out who i am by doing yeah. it it sort of forces you to crystallize your own opinions and i miss the adrenaline for sure, sure. yeah you great yeah i mean i sort of haven't i haven't you know i i think i was doing less gear so i haven't really gigged like doing stand-up for a couple of years anyway before lockdown mm. um and i was concentrating on doing this but also you know just spending time with my family so yeah. i think that it's been really nice to be with my family uh and i'm and i i think before if i had a couple of months off my wife would say go and bloody do a show somewhere yeah <laughs> i'm annoyed with you but i think i'm sort of beyond that so i don't think i don't think i need to do it but yes I, you know i'm doing some gigs in uh, with this in may june and july at the clapham grand and it's you know i'm really looking forward to just even just being in the same room as the guest is, yeah, is enough but, but but having but having um some audience there will be awesome and yeah i think i i really i haven't really wanted to think about it for fear that something else will go wrong because like when people were last year you know like when gigs were getting moved last year and they were getting moved from june to september yeah i was going this is we're not going to be doing this in september you know this is not and you know and there was a little brief period of time i think in december where we started to get like tiny little social distance gigs and then it all went away again yeah um, we, we've but, all learned this valuable lesson in yeah, like yeah. not planning anything but no, it'll be yeah, it will be good, and I want to do I want to do a stand up show again. I think so. If it, the the year and everything that's happened to me has given me something to talk about, which isn't about lockdown really, but is about obviously everything else. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I think like that's I was sort of waiting to feel what would what would be the subject that would kind of interest me enough to to do. And the book I wrote, weirdly, the book I wrote in lockdown, which I then did the audio book of and listened to the audio book and went. That's sort of my 2020 stand-up show. Yeah. And I don't really, I don't think I need to go and do it as a stand-up show, but that, it, once you hear it, and the same, that's what I felt with your book as well. Once you, once you listen to that, you go, that's, ba you know, it's a long stand-up show, but it's basically a stand-up show about a yeah. subject. So, uh, so yeah, I think, um, and I made the decision in lockdown to, to bin all my pre-lockdown material completely. So I'm not going to ever do, unless there's, some reason why in a routine that you have to refer to an old routine or something uh, i'm not going to do any of my stand-up because i just oh got God, to the point brave. where well i just got the point where it's worked out okay in stat in the gigs i've done which have mainly been online there's been one or two that i did in places but you know you get to the point especially when you're doing charity gigs which was mainly what i was doing where you've got 10 minutes 
And and you, I was going to say you won't know this, but you've been doing stand up about as long as I have. Really. I've been doing it thirty years, but I had a big long time period off. But you know, you just realise oh, that joke is from nineteen ninety five, and yeah. I'm still because it's my ten minutes. You want to keep it tight, yeah. And I just thought the only way to stop myself doing that is to just say I'm never doing that stuff again. And so I think really the, strict, yeah, because you get dead behind the eyes doing it. And yeah, they yeah. can they can tell, and then that only makes you feel worse. So yeah. yeah. And I think that, and I think the, and I, that's what I found really interesting about this year is the, the risks I've taken in performing wise online, and that idea of going right, bin it all and start again, and you know, yeah, we're going to do some ten minute charity gigs that are, that are a bit awkward, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I've done, uh, but and I'll get my ventriloquist dummy out after a little while if it's not going well. So yeah, uh, <laughs> but actually, that's the worst bit. But yeah, no, it's, it'll be interesting. But yeah, God, I hope it's, I hope it's so. It feels like it. It, it might be coming to an end. Feels like it, but yeah, I'm not. I'm, I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, I'm going to listen to your audiobook. That's amazing. Well done. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, well, I'm really, I'm really pleased with it. I'm really pleased with the way you know it's got it, and it's that's rare for me. A, it's rare for me to listen back to stuff, but B, it's rare for me to go. Oh, yeah, that, that's worked out pretty well. You know, it, it was, but that again, lockdown just sort of crystallized things. Did you write your? Had you already written your your series of? Um, no, the second so you, series we wrote, yeah, this summer, this past yeah. summer. So yeah, during lockdown. So yeah. Yeah, and, and it was kind of good, yeah. yeah. So I'm um, good to be just trapped in a room and no distractions and, yeah. The only thing, as because the kids were home all the time, it was really difficult to find the oh, time fuck, to really yeah. concentrate. But I, but my wife gave, sort of gave me a month at the end to kind of finish the book where she did m- more of the childcare. But, yeah, that was that was the the difficult thing was that, but, you know. Enjoy, not, enjoy stuff, not having yeah. enjoy not having any kids, mate. That's good to hear because I've been feeling kind of broody. So I'm I mean, have some kids, but enjoy. It. I'd say do it if you want to do it, uh, but and if you are feeling broody, but <laughs> uh, but really because it's so the your, the things that you took for granted. You know, when you when you when we now go out for a meal or something, especially after lockdown as well, definitely. So you just go, God, I used to do this. All we used to do this all the time. We used to go out every night and have a meal or whatever. Do yeah. whatever you want. And it's so special when you do it once every month. <laughs> and that's what again, that's why you know, you think about I, I, I that I think about the stand-up shows I did 10, 10, 12, maybe fifteen years ago, where where I was deliberately trying to antagonize the audience and annoy them. <laughs> and you kind of think, God, what are the people who had kids and that was their one night out? Oh my God, that's such you know. a good thing to think about. Yeah. <laughs> you just, I mean, people enjoyed it, I think, but also if you didn't enjoy it, if you're one of the people, this is just, a really, you're being really annoying, stop being, and this is, you've ruined our one. Yeah, and you're there doing anti-comedy, kind <laughs> of, like really meta stuff. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, look, so very soon, a new series of uh, Feel Good on Channel 4. Again, no, Netflix this time. Netflix, so, yeah, yeah. yeah series one and two will both be dropping on Netflix in the UK and very, very soon. Terrific. Yeah. And then your stand-up show, and you can go to Baymart. You've got a website. Yeah, where, I think where, so. <laughs> where it says bio to come or something like so. The, oh, the, does bi- it? The, bi- the bio is not, you know, oh, which shit. makes my job a lot harder because then I have to go <laughs> and look at another website. So I think about to... that next time. Yeah, I'm going to update that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, uh, look, it's really been terrific to chat with you, and I'm – Matt, just such a huge fan of the TV show and the book. Thank um, you. And I'm really looking forward to the next series. So keep up all the fantastic work. And I'll, yeah, and the stand up as well. So there's lots of great stuff to come. Thank you very much, to May Martin. Next week, uh, Felicity Ward. Uh, thank you very much. See you. Goodbye.
you have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Rich Tang, and my guest, May Martin. The music is by Scant Regard. I'm indebted to my friend and producer and director, Chris Evans. Not that one. You know the one I'm talking about. It's definitely not him or the other one. Or the Daily Telegraph one. Or the politician one. It's the Go Faster Strike one. I don't know why I have to go through this every week. Uh, thank you also to Ben Walker. And uh, thank you to everyone at ACAS, British Comedy Guide, Ian Tunes, all those lot of idiots. Couldn't do it without you guys. Thank you to you, the listeners, and everyone on Twitch um, who watched it live. Oh, they didn't watch this one live. This one was uh, a little secret surprise for you, wasn't it? Ooh, this is a Sky Potato Fuss and GoFasterStrike.com production. Why not head to GoFasterStrike.com? You can buy books and DVDs and badges. There's a page dedicated to me there now. You can see all of my stuff. RichardHerring.com slash badges if you want to get a badge and help support our endeavours and help us make more stuff. Twitch.tv slash RKHerring if you want to watch us do puppet shows and snooker and stuff, which I think will continue to some extent. Even when the world returns to sanity and normality, I will carry on being crazy in this attic as long as I can. Thanks for listening!